0: amen. Have you ever dreaded tomorrow? Have you ever dreaded tomorrow? I have dreaded tomorrow, let me tell you a story about one of the days I dreaded tomorrow. Uh, I have never been a physically athletic person ever in my life. I've gotten better over the years. But one thing that I always dreaded was P.E. I was one of the nerdiest, glasses, big, scrawny little white kids in the PE class, always picked last, uh, made fun of all the time. It's changed a lot over the years. Can't you tell how buff I've gotten? Um, But I had these goggles because I couldn't have glasses in PE, and I had these goggles with an elastic band. Man, it was horrible, okay? Horrible, not to mention I couldn't catch anything, couldn't run, couldn't do anything, couldn't climb the rope. And our school was state, uh, went to state every year in wrestling. And uh, one of the things they did in junior high was Teach you how to wrestle, and we would get on these mats and we would have to wrestle these guys. And you'd pick people in your own weight category and learn, you know, the half Nelson, and you'd learn how to get on the mat and flip them over, and you know, all this kind of stuff. And let me just say that I dreaded, dreaded those days every year when it was wrestling. And let me just say, to be a hundred pound, scrawny, smart, nerdy kid. And to go up against someone smaller than you and lose in the first five seconds (laughs) never builds good ego to a junior high student, okay? So I hated P.E., okay? Dreaded it. But, uh, you know, since then, I've learned to laugh at myself. And I've also learned a lot about spiritual strength and the importance of spiritual strength and spiritual wrestling. You know, and over the, the years of my life growing in the Lord and finding God, I've found a lot of times of wrestling with God. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians that we wrestle with principalities and powers, but sometimes there are things we wrestle out with the Lord. I remember God calling me in the ministry and just having to wrestle with leading a Bible study. I would pray for an hour or two before I had to lead a simple Bible study uh, just to talk, not even preach. And just struggle with God. God, I am so weak in this area. I cannot speak in front of people. You know this. But yet God pushed me. And I had to wrestle that out. I remember um, wrestling with God through ministry. and praying through uh, sin issues in my life. And just things. I, I knew that I was thinking badly in this area. Or doing things in this area. And just... Uh, wrestling with God, God, I don't like what I'm doing, I hate myself for this, and just wrestling, I remember for years, struggling with God, God, make me better, crucify the flesh in me, help me to, I would regret all this stuff that I had done, or said, or thought, and just struggling with God in that area. Uh, I remember uh, struggling with God as I got into ministry, that I had some good close friends, uh, a good close friend of mine, who I'd ministered to in high school, and yet, uh, he committed suicide before he, I ever felt he had made a full proclamation of God. And I remember yelling at God in my car, driving to work. God, how could you let my friend die and take his own life? How could you put me through this? And why, Lord, did I do all of that for years and yet never, never, I don't know where he's at today. In eternity. I, I, other young people I've preached to and had uh, out, outre- outreach to died before they were uh, old enough you know before the young young people died and over ministry you find these regrets and you find these individuals that you come across you're like man i wish i would have said something to that marriage i really lord my best friend or this or that i you find all these regrets and struggling with god lord i wish i could have i should have had of you know all this stuff i struggling with god in prayer for those and i remember struggling through that struggling to be used by the spirit um There was a time in my life where I said, God, I will not go into ministry unless you use me in the Spirit. I can't just do this. And I remember struggling, God, I've never given a word before. I've never had a prophetic dream before. And just struggling, God, I do not want to do ministry on my own. I want to do it by your Spirit. And just for weeks, fasting and praying, struggling with God to be used by Him. Beth and I struggled for uh, two years. Beth had a, a... Conditions she was fighting through in her body, and we put off having children for a couple of years until there was a breakthrough. And we prayed and prayed and prayed. God, what are you doing this? Why are we going through this, Lord? What is your plan for us? And how come she's not getting healed? And and all these things. But I don't know about you. How many people just show a hand? I've struggled before in praying with God about some things. I've I've been there. I've I've had some battles. I've had to fight with even with God and myself. Lord, why? Why this happened? Lord, how come I can't get through this obstacle? or Lord, you said in your word this, this, and this, but Lord, that's not what I feel. That's not what I see. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about wrestling with God, and perhaps today you have been either running from God, maybe you've been fearful of giving your life to Him, maybe you've had trauma or hurts or wounds, questions in your life, and you've been struggling to break down some walls from those situations. Maybe you are like me in that time battling temptation in the flesh. And there are things in your life you stand, you're trying to stand against addiction, you're trying to stand, maybe it's depression, the war in your mind. Or possibly you're facing this difficult situation that you have tried everything you can on your own to fix it, but you just can't get through. We're going to talk about the blessing and the wrestling, okay, today. The blessing and the wrestling. Let's talk about the story of Jacob. I'm just going to give you this story. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 28. And uh, we're going to look there, and I'm going to paraphrase and have some scripture to read along. But Jacob, we're going to talk about Jacob's deception, his dream, and his decision, briefly. Jacob's deception, his dream, and his decision. Jacob was known, if, we, if you listened last weekend on our, on our podcast, or you were here last Sunday, Jacob became kind of a deceiver. Jacob was chosen by God in His grace, and Jacob didn't deserve anything. He was a second child, and he was uh, excluded from the firstborn's blessing and the firstborn's birthright. But yet with his mom, they deceived his father and his brother to achieve the blessing that God had prophesied Jacob would receive. So they took it out of the plan of God. They took it upon themselves to try to fix the situation before his father gave the birthright and the blessing away. So Jacob uh, deceived his father deceived his brother, and for this situation, this family began to be broken, and Jacob was sent away by his mom to go marry uh, in uh, his family Laban's house, uh, several uh, hundred miles away, and go back to that place and be away from Esau, because Esau said, I'm going to kill my brother the next time I see him. And so Jacob's deception led him to a place. And as he was on his way to a place to go back to his uncle's house, a place he'd never been before, he was on a journey with God. He had the birthright. He had the blessing. And God, uh, God, the covenant of Abraham was passed to him. And he was supposed to be the leader of the family. He was supposed to own the land in the land of Canaan, which would be Israel. And he was supposed to have the spirit upon him and God's protection and God's divine guidance. So along the way, halfway there, Jacob finds a stone and he lays down that night, lost his family. How's the birthright gonna happen? How, what's the blessing of God got to do? I've left my family, left my property, left my rights. I'm wanted, I'm a wanted man. I could be a dead man. And so he spent the night on this stone and he dreamt of this ladder reaching heaven, or the better word would be a staircase. And the angels were ascending and descending, and the Lord began to reveal himself to Jacob. Don't you love it that when you're in a place of trial or tragedy, the Lord is always willing to pursue you? He's always willing to find you where you are. Jacob wasn't receiving or seeking after God, but God began to speak to Jacob in his place of desperation. Uh, And so Jacob sees this vision, and God begins to speak. And basically, God uh, speaks to Jacob, and he says, Jacob, I'm going to give you this covenant that I said I would give you. I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you descendants. I'm going to give you a great blessing. And Jacob, I'm going to go with you, and I'm going to bring you back to your homeland. So Jacob wakes up. He wakes up in awe and fear of God. He says, surely God was in this place. I didn't know it. And he called the place Bethel, the house of God. And he promised. And look in Genesis chapter 28, verse uh, 20. He begins to make an altar on that stone. He pours oil on that stone. He makes a vow. And this is very crucial. Because Jacob had deceived his family, led to a broken life, but yet God showed up in a dream. Now Jacob has a decision to make. God had searched him out. God had promised him great things, though though Jacob never deserved it. And here's what he says about God's promise. He says, If God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take, I will give, and will give me food to eat and garments to wear, verse 21, and I return to my father's house in safety, Then the Lord will be my God. This stone which I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Look at there, there's tithing in the Bible. Amen. Uh, Have you ever made those if then statements with God? God, if you do this, then I will do this. I was a young kid, uh, 16 years old, hunting one time, and I was praying. God, if you will just give me a deer today, then I will do... You know, and we're young, we don't know any better, and I thank God that he didn't give me a deer that day because I would never have made the promise that I kept, you know, would, never would have kept my promise to God. But how many people, you don't have to show your hands, but we've made those if-then statements. God, if you do this, I promise, Lord, I will be at church every time the doors are open. God, I promise I will always pay my tithes on time. Or God, I promise I will never do that again if, Lord, you do this. And Jacob, in his immaturity and his zealousness, gets this. He says, all right, God, I'm putting you to the test. If you get me back to this place and you show up and tell me and, and make all these promises that you said I fought for, I try to get it on my own. Now, remember, Jacob's ruined it all. His, it's his own fault he's in the mess that he's in. And yet God's still pursuing him and God's still willing to bless him. That just goes to the, ter- the character of our God. And he says, all right, God, I'm putting you on, a, on temporary probation. I'm going to go do this, but you've got to get me back here. And if you do that, then you'll be my God. All right? So he goes to his uncle Laban's house in Haran, and Jacob serves his uncle faithfully. Man, he's almost cheated a few times, he's cheated out of a wife once. Uh, he's cheated, tried to get sheets out of some goats some other times. And over the next 20 years, though, God begins to bless Jacob despite all the things against him. Jacob gets more property, and he gets more uh, sheep and goats, and he increases his family, and God gives him 11 children. And he really sees the hand of God upon him in the time of the wilderness season of his life. In the exile season of his life, he sees God's goodness, his faithfulness, and this awe and reverent fear of God comes over him. And finally, he feels it's time to go back home. And he tells his uncle, and he begins to pray, uh, and they make this covenant together that he's not going to do anything to harm his uncle, and he's going back. But in, in this prayer, he says, he makes a covenant with his uncle and a covenant with God. He says, the God of my father and his father, Abraham. In this time period of testing and waiting and, and seeing God's blessing, Jacob was on a conditional basis with God. It was always my father's God, my grandfather's God, but it was never my God, not yet. So Jacob comes back, and he's like, okay, I'm going to make the trip back. I've left my uncle. I've seen God's blessing. I'm in awe and reverence of what he's done, and he still has it in his mind. If God gets me back safely, then he'll be my God. If God gets me back safely, then the Lord will be my God. So Jacob had his deceit in his life. He saw the dream that God gave him. He made that decision, and now we come to a time of doubting. Jacob was with God for 20 years, and now he's about to face his brother. You ever worried your past was going to catch up with you? Maybe things you did before Christianity, or maybe things that you did you know you shouldn't have done, but now, hey, it's, it's judgment day, right? So he's about to that place. I hadn't seen my brother in 20 years. We don't have Facebook. We don't have postage stamps. And the last time I saw him, he said, he is going to kill me. So Jacob gets his family. They begin walking. And man, don't you know, Jacob is thinking, how in the world is this going to happen? Is he going to see me and run at me with a sword? Is he going to meet me and just yell and scream and punch my face in? What is he going to do the next time I see my brother? Now, uh, will he recognize me? And I've got all my family with me, and I've got kids and, and uh, wives, and all this stuff I could lose now. I, had, had, I lost everything before, but now I have really stuff to lose. And all that fear had come over him as they begin to walk towards Israel again. And what does God do? Genesis chapter 32, verse 1 says that angels of God met Jacob on the way, and he saw the camp of the Lord. There to see He saw the angels, heavenly hosts visible before him. And so if you were any normal person, maybe wouldn't you remember? Well, man, yeah, God said he was for me and, and not against me. And I saw that angels sitting on the ladder. And let me remember back to when God saved me before and when God promised me before. But yet in that fear, man, he names that place, the camp of God. But yet he keeps on going. And even though he's seen all these heavenly hosts, the armies of heaven, there, on the way back home. Man, you know, sometimes we get all these great revelations from God, we get all the words from God, and yet, man, when real life happens on Monday, it's just like, I forgot all that stuff on Sunday, right? Man, when Monday comes, the bill collector's there, or that annoying person's in your life, or that, that situation, your car breaks down, and, and your house, you know, almost catches fire with that Christmas tree you shouldn't have plugged in, you know, all that stuff happens. It's like, Oh, my God, i got to fix this. we got to figure this out. I don't know how we're going to get through this week. I don't know what we're going to do. And he begins to do that again. So I've got a dream, ladder descending, heavenly host. God's given me this great vision revelation, right? Okay, 20 years I've seen God's faithfulness. I've seen him prosper me. I've seen him bless me. Now I've just seen the heavenly army ahead of me. Oh, Lord, how are we going to get through this? Lord, how are we going to get? You know what? We have the Bible. We have the Word of God. We have the Spirit of God. And yet how often we still doubt God. How often we go through things and still try to figure them out on our own. And yet we have all this great revelation. And Jacob had all the revelation of God. And yet he said, but if God, if you do this, then I'll serve you. So he goes past the camp and he gets to that place. And man, that's what God does. God gives him this great vision again of angels. But what does Jacob do? Genesis chapter 32, verse 3. Jacob... He gets a little, he's a smart guy. He begins to send presents out. And it's, you know, we're, we're approaching Christmas, so that's what he's, he's thinking. I'm going to send something ahead of me. I'm going to soften my brother up just a little bit. And when he gets to me, then he'll have had some kind of reward, right? So he sends some shepherds out with some goats and stuff, and he says, uh, you go ahead of me, and that way he'll be nicer when he finds me, okay? You ever try to figure situations out before? You try to make it better for yourself, right? All right, so he goes. Well, they, get, they come back and they say, Jacob, there are 400 men with this dude, your brother. We've never met him before. There's 400 men with this guy. You are in trouble. And he's like, oh, my gosh. Now, again, heavenly host, angels camping about you, but never mind. He's got 400 guys with him. And so Jacob begins to freak out again. He is panicked. Oh, my gosh. So he what do, what do you ever try to do before praying, right? Before you pray, we're always trying to say, hmm, All right, I got this thing I'm going through. I've got this thing I'm trying to figure out. But let me fix it. And then at night, tonight, I'm going to pray, right? That's what we do. I'm guilty. So Jacob does the same thing. He's trying to give the presents. Then he goes to prayer. How nice of him to do that after the fact. He begins to cry like a baby to God. God, who's just showing this great vision. And Jacob, he divides his family in flocks. He puts half of them are here, half of them over there. So if, if he 400 guys come You guys can run that way. We're going to run that way. We're just going to all be terrified together. We're going to split up. The dude just saw angels encamped about him. Nevertheless, nevertheless, then he begins to cry to God. Look at Genesis chapter 32, verse 9. Genesis chapter 32, verse 9. He says, Jacob says, O oh God of my father Abraham, there you go again, it's not his God yet, and God of my father Isaac, O oh Lord, who said to me, return you to the one God, you told me to come back here, by the way, just reminding him, you told me to come back here. He says, come back to your country and your others, and I will prosper you. And I says, I am unworthy of all the, uh, the loving kindness and all the faithfulness which you have shown to your servant, for which my staff and I only cross this Jordan And now have become two companies deliver me, I pray from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he will come and attack me and the mothers of my children. For you said (laughs) you said, God, surely you will prosper me and make my descendants the sand of the sea, which is too great to be numbered. Jacob was sincere, but he was sincerely trying everything. You know how that works? You're sincerely trying everything. You got a prayer and you got a plan. All right, and God, if this prayer don't work out, I got a plan B to back it up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, I'm crying out to God, but on the other side, I'm thinking I got to do this, got to move this money around here, got to fix this out, and I got to talk to her because she really will talk to him, and we're gonna figure this family situation, this drama out. Because God, you know, you need to do this, but Lord, I'm gonna make sure everybody knows what really happened. Right? Come on, I know you. Right? And and that's what we do: prayer and a plan. And so. He called out to God of his father, and and God hadn't really won him over yet. But you know what? Even though and God had pursued this deceiver, he'd given him a dream, he'd blessed him for 20 years, prospered him, and then he gave him a vision of heavenly angels encamped about him. And yet here's this whiny, faithless prayer. But one thing grabs God's heart is that he says, God, you said in your word, you know, you can hold God to his word. It doesn't matter how much doubt in your your life, God is true to his word. You can call out to God and say, God, you said, Lord, that I'll have peace in times of tribulation. I'll have joy in the midst of suffering. God, you said, I don't have to worry about the food on my table or the clothes on my back. You said, Lord, if I seek first your kingdom, then you will take care of me. And you say, God, I don't see that situation. I don't feel that joy. I don't feel that peace. But God, I'm holding you to your word. You know what that's called? That's called faith. God, I believe your word. And that's what God is looking for today. He's looking for some people that said, God, he's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for faithful people. People who will say, God, I know I am a deceiver. I know I don't have faith. I know that I'm messing my life up often. But yet, God, I know your word. And I declare your word, and I'm praying your word back to you. And I'm holding you, Lord, to your promise to keep me, to bless me, to prosper me, to protect me, to provide for me. And God saw that, and he liked it. He liked it. He he knew Jacob wasn't perfect. He knew that before he ever called him. He knew that before he ever blessed him. And you know what? God knows you're not perfect. He knows you're probably never going to be perfect. But yet he chooses you anyway because he's a gracious, loving father. He loves to bless you. And he's looking for someone to say, God, I believe your word. If you're with me this morning, somebody say amen. 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 I believe his word. And so now we've got, gone through Jacob's doubt and his disbelief, and we've got his prayer and his plans. But here's the deal. <laughs> Good old Jacob, before God could even answer that prayer, God's like, yeah, I love that. Thanks. Good job. Before he could even answer, so he's got the, he divided his camp, he gave out some presents, and he's like, okay, God, you didn't answer, all right? This is like 30 minutes later. Lord, all right, here we go. Family, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to send out levels of presents. The first present didn't work. I divided my family. Now, God is really taking his dear, sweet time on answering this prayer. So y'all go out in and, and droves. So, I'm going to get one present, space it out, two presents, space it out, Three presents, space it out, and he begins to send like a conveyor belt of presents ahead of him. Don't you know he was really trying hard to make sure Esau really liked him, yes. and so he was hoping in ten separate herds, ten separate presents. Now let it and go ahead of him, man. These prayers and these plans, and then Jacob said, "All right, I'm gonna put my family behind me. And I'm gonna put them across the river." And he even ordered his family in levels of love. He put Rebecca and Joseph at the end, and he put the other kids he didn't really care so much about in the first. So whoever died, they die in order of love. This is horrible stuff we do, you know, when we're not really thinking about God and having faith. And so there we find Jacob with a prayer and a plan. And he's done all that he can do to make his situation work out for his best. And he's cried out to God. You know, sometimes God uses a crisis to get a hold of us. Sometimes God uses a crisis in our life to get a hold of us. And he's wanting to know, are we saying, God, I've got a deadline here? Or are we saying, God, I'm willing to wait and hear"? Jacob had a crisis and God was willing to get a hold of Jacob. In Jacob's case, it was literally. Look at Genesis chapter uh, 32, verse 24. Here's the, here's the the climax of our text today. Jacob is there, he is alone, man, his family's behind him, the ten presents have gone on, he's cried out to God, he, he doesn't know what to do, he's so scared, and he's saying, God, if you'll do this, God, please, Lord, help me. Lord, if you'll just do this, and I'm figuring it all out in the meanwhile, my hands are busy, but my mouth is praying up to you, God. And there, alone in the night, <clears throat> Jacob encounters a man. The Bible will tell us uh, later on that it would be an angel of God in, in Hosea. And some people would say this was even Jesus uh, incarnate in the, in the, and it could have been, we don't know. But the angel of the Lord always uh, represents God himself. And the angel of the Lord came to Jacob in the form of a man. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 32, verse 24, that Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And he saw that he had not prevailed against him, and he touched the socket of his thigh. So the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking, the angel said. But he said, Jacob, I will not let you go, Jacob said, until you bless me. And so he said to him, What is your name? And Jacob replied, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, and said, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there, so Jacob named the place Penuel, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. And the sun rose upon him, he crossed over Penuel, and he was limping on his thigh. Jacob had tried fixing it, he tried prayer, and he probably wasn't going to get much sleep that night. He's filled with worry, he's thinking over every possible scenario for tomorrow Maybe he wanted to see another ladder. Maybe he wanted to see that angel camped above him again. But God did not show up in the way Jacob expected. I love this story. Jacob wanted that heavenly host to just come down on some horses and stop Esau. Or Jacob wanted some great grand vision, some great grand thing again. But God showed up in a personal way. And maybe it was fight or flight kicks in. You know, he's probably on that sleep. He wasn't going to have much sleep. He's sitting there before a fire, I can just imagine. And he's thinking, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. He's showing up. Well, he's going to like those ten presents. What is he going to do? My family's behind me. You know, and all of a sudden, some dude jumps out of the bushes. It's probably it was just flight or fight. And it's just it's probably Esau. and He just jumps on the guy. I can just picture this moment where he can't see the fire. And there's a silhouette. He just tackles this guy. And that guy begins to fight him. And the Bible says, man, Jacob was a little, I mean, he's a scrawny little dude. He's not his brother Esau, but he had some fight in him. And the angel pops his hip out, and he still keeps fighting, and he realizes somewhere along the way, this is not Esau. This is an angel of God. This is the Lord in place of this guy. And when he realized that, the Bible says in another place that Jacob began weeping for a blessing that he began to cry, you have got to help me before you leave here. You have got to make this situation work out. And you know, sometimes, church, that's what we're looking for. That's what we need. Sometimes we, are, we want this grand thing to happen. We want God to show up and do this. And sometimes God shows up in a very personal way. He says, would you just pray with me? Would you just wrestle with me in prayer for a little while? And that, that vigor and that fight came out of Jacob. And he says, I cannot let you go until I know I've reached you until I know I've reached heaven, until I know that you're going to give me the blessing and you're going to keep to your word, God. I won't let go until you, blessing, until you bless me. Jacob was so desperate for God to hold on to his covenant. How's your prayers? Say, Lord, I, I know this is what your word says. Please help me. Sometimes that works. But sometimes when you're most desperate, we get real focused on fixing things ourselves and we say a little quick prayer. And we say, God, magic fairy up in heaven, please help me. But God is looking for Jacob, and he's like, Jacob, what I'm doing is not something for your situation. I'm doing something inside of you. I'm doing something inside of you. And it wasn't so much about Jacob getting through to God, but God getting through to Jacob. Sometimes it's not about you getting through to God, but God getting through to you and your prayer life. Sometimes we've been struggling with God, struggling for this situation, struggling and praying for an answer. But God's saying, I need to do something inside of you first. I need to do something inside of you first. And if you look at Jacob and the the hip uh, getting dislocated, sometimes you think of it this way. We have to be broken before we can be blessable. And God had to remind Jacob of what faith was. And God had to remind Jacob of who he had been his whole life. And God had to remind Jacob, what you really need is not your power, what you need is my power. What you really need is not you to fix it out, but you to realize I'm God and I'm God alone. And I'm not just God of your father and your father's father, I can be your God too. But Jacob, you got to trust in me and you got to lean on me and not your own understandings. you got to acknowledge me and your life. And I will make you blessable, but you got to be broken first. The Bible says in Matthew that we should be the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said. And it's God's grace that was choosing Jacob and giving him dreams and visions and blessing him. But Jacob had refused to fully yield to God and say, God, you're all I got. God, you're everything. Lord, I don't have anything left. Lord, my plans always fail, but God, I can trust in you. And God had to weaken Jacob to increase his strength. How do you like that? God had to get him weak to make him strong. And if you're coming to God today and trying to figure things out on your own and trying to live this Christian life by your own power, let me tell you something. You're never going to make it unless you understand that I can't do this kind of life on my own. I can't be perfect. I can't be filled with the Spirit on my own. I can't speak in tongues. I can't pray. I can't give. I can't think right, act right, feel right. I need God and His Spirit. Are you here this morning? Somebody say amen. amen. So watch your story. Sometimes we want God to enter our situation, but He really wants to enter you. Sometimes we want God to enter our situation, but He really wants to enter us. Are you willing to struggle in the point of prayer until you say, God, I'm holding on to your promise no matter what. God, I believe your word no more than this situation. God, I believe the promise you said you'll never leave me nor forsake me. God, I'm holding on to your word. Lord, no matter what I see around me, are you here with me this morning? God is saying to us today, do you believe my word? Do you hold to my word more than what you see in the world around you? And sometimes there might be a moment like Paul where we have this thorn in the flesh, this hip out of socket. But it's there for a purpose for God to humble us and say, do you see my strength in your weakness? It's in those moments we can think about like Paul where Paul had that thorn in the flesh. He said, my grace, God said to Paul, is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in your weakness. So what's your response? Is it like Paul? Where Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, I will boast about my weakness, so the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm content with this weakness, with insults, distresses, persecutions, difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Are you rejoicing in that weakness today? Because... In those moments of trial, I love what one author says it this way. In that moment of trial, listen to me, church. You may not need soft words of comfort from God or another Christian. In that moment of trial, you may not need to be left alone with your thoughts to figure it out. In that moment of trial, you may not need sleep like Jacob thought he needed. And you may not need even a healthy hip. What you need is God's blessing. Sometimes I need, Lord, here's the situation. I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that, right? Good. here's my prayer line, here's my request. I'm faxing it over to you, point 0.1, point two, point three. I'm highlighting some different notes. Lord, if you'll just fix this and do it in this way, God, I will be blessable. And God's saying, no, 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 no. You don't need all that. You don't need some count, and the counseling is good. You don't need all that extra stuff. You don't need, you know, that person to figure this out. You don't need me to do this. What you need is to get in a long, alone in a room with me and me and you work some things out because I want you to be broken before I can bless you. I want you to know that I'm, I'm always for you, not against you. But would you get alone with me and see the power that can come in your weakness? And that day, man, Jacob leaves that moment. And don't you know, he's thinking, what in the world just happened? I just prayed, wrestled with this dude all night long. He popped my hip out of socket. And Jacob begins walking now. It's sunlight. He's walking with a limp now to that place. The ten presents have gone on, and there is Esau, 400 men strong. He's walking up. He's thinking, well, I can't run. I can't get on a horse. I can't kick him. You know, like, there's what am I going to do? God just made it worse. How am I going to get out of this situation? Esau shows up, and immediately he drops what he's got. He runs to his brother, embraces him, hugs him, and kisses him. And I'm thinking Jacob's doing one of these things. You know, like he's, his brother's running, and he's thinking, Lord, here we go. And, but yet he just embraces him and gives him a sloppy wet kiss. They begin to cry, and they begin to weep, and they just have this warm embrace. How in the world could that be possible if it hadn't been for God? You ever have those moments and you look, you, you, you just something got fixed and you look up and you just smile and you say, thanks, God. You know, like it didn't happen like you thought it was going to happen. But all of a sudden, there it is. It's fixed. It, it worked out. God in his grace. And I now imagine God's just up in heaven thinking, see, what was all that worry for? What was all that stress for? You just lost 10 presents. You know, like you just you worried yourself to death if you had just trusted my word. But what came out of that moment was very important. Listen to this. Jacob left that place. While weaker, he left stronger. He left that place with his old identity behind him and a new identity coming. His name went from Jacob to Israel, one who prevails with God, one who wrestles with God. And some people say that Israel means prince of God. He became a son of God, a child of God. He got a new name and he had a new walk. You know, sometimes when you get along with God and you're saying, God, I don't know if this is for me, this Christian life, is it for me or not? There comes a moment where you're going to make an ultimate decision. Is God your God or not? And he's going to change your identity. He's going to change your name. He's going to make you a child of his. And then you better leave that place with some wrestling where God's broken you and you leave different. When you come to that altar, when you make those barters with God and you you test God at his word, and when God comes through, you better leave different. We better leave with a different walk and a different talk and say, God has met me. I see my weakness, but I see God's glory. I see his grace. I see his strength. And I'm not the same person I used to be because God always comes through for me. Amen? God always comes through for me. And so I don't walk the same way anymore. I don't talk the same way anymore. I'm actually not even the same person anymore. There's a moment in my life where I had hung out with some friends. I had some good, some my closest friends. And uh, I, we were really sarcastic, and we were really negative people. And over the years, I began to wrestle with God, a lot of my attitude and my uh, habitual sins and my weakness in ministry. And, and early on, my family recognized some changes in me because I'd been praying hours a day, wrestling with God, Lord. I need you to do this job. I am not qualified to be a pastor. I'm not qualified to preach. I have no gifts for preaching, no gifts for teaching. I can't speak in public even if it was in Spanish. It wouldn't work because, God, I have no ability to do that. God began to change all that in prayer, and those friends came to me one day said, we don't hang out like we used to. You don't talk with us and joke with us like we used to. And I'm like, I'm not the same person anymore. I can't say that stuff anymore. I don't, I don't like those jokes anymore. I don't Hang around. I don't like talking that way anymore because God has changed me. I see my weakness. If the Lord left me today, y'all would have to find a new pastor because Heath Garris cannot do this job. I trust in the Lord. He's my strength and my weakness, right? We've got to have a new name and a new walk and a new talk. And Jacob gets this new life. And I want to end with this. Jacob left that place seeing the blessing of God. And he came to a place, and when he had finally gotten into the land of Israel, he remembered the bargain he had made with God. He goes to the town of Shechem, which is the place his grandfather had first stepped into the promised land when Abraham had first gotten the promise from God. He steps into Shechem, where his grandfather had set foot, and he makes an altar. I don't know, maybe it was near where his grandfather Abraham had made one. And he calls the place, uh, let me look here, he calls the place El Elohe Israel. He names that altar that, you know what that altar means? You know what that altar means? It means this, God the God of Israel. Not God the God of Jacob, God the God of Israel. Not God the God of Abraham, not God the God of Isaac, not God the God of Jacob, but God the God of me, the new me. The one with a new walk. The one with a new talk. The one who's seen God faithful time and time again. He's my God. Is that good? That's good news. He made it. And you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Trust in His Word. Is He your God? Is He your God? And are you been trying to fix things in prayer? And have a plan? Have you been wondering, God, how am I going to get through this? God, you said in your word this, but I don't feel this. We say, God, here's your word. I'm holding you to it. I'm willing to get in my prayer closet and wrestle with you some. I'm willing to not let go of your word until, Lord, you said you would bless me. God, you said you would protect me. God, you said you'd provide for me. And, Lord, I'm not letting go. Maybe today you've been doubting. Maybe today you've been going through a rough season in your life. God is faithful. He's always pursuing you. He's always showing up in your life. And He may not show up in the way you expected or even that you prayed for, but get this, He's always going to show up. He's always going to show up. Are you willing to do a little wrestling? Amen? Amen. Worship team, would you come? Every head bowed, every eye closed. James 1.12 says, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved... He'll receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love Him. Are you dreading tomorrow? Are you trying to fix it without faith? Are you really in need of the blessing of God today? God has so chosen you in His grace. We are all a sinner by nature, but God desires to give you everlasting life. He desires to bless you and keep you. He desires to make His face shine upon you and give you peace. And He wants this personal relationship with you, and, and more than Jacob ever saw, it wasn't about a, a ladder, it's not about an angel encamping about us, the greatest revelation of God's love and his, his plan for you is the revelation of Jesus Christ, he sent his son for you, better than any angel, better than any dream, better than any revelation, better than any prophetic word, Jesus Christ has come to tell you God loves you, God is for you. He's not against you. But you've got to be broken to be blessable. You've got to trust Him at His Word. And if you're here today, you just pray with me. You're saying, God, Lord, You know my form. You know what I'm going through. Lord, but I'm still holding on to Your Word today.